stands The dice rule every random chance Take off your coat and stay a while We'll roll in that deep percent time Hi, I'm Dave Aldridge, this is Deeper Sensile and I've got a theme tune and that is never going to get old thanks to the wonderfully generous and talented TJ Drennan from Melodorous Miasma Meltdown for that. I was inspired for the topic of today's episode by Mark of Yawning Albert. I'm very pleased that he is back in the game. Um, enjoy listening to his very close and detailed treatments of a particular monster each episode. He compares different editions, the stats from different editions and their presentation, offers his commentary on that. Very interesting uh, to listen to. So a shout out for Mark. In his intro, Mark was talking about his concern about this whole sort of actor, actual play phenomenon, the sort of critical role phenomenon and its effect on the hobby. And I thought I'd talk about that briefly because I share some of his concerns and um, and perhaps other concerns I've got about it I should probably just just sort of get over. Um, but I was, I was interested in his thoughts and I thought I'd offer mine as well. And I should firstly say I've never really watched, I've never watched any of these YouTube or other sort of actual play things. I've never seen Critical Role. Um, I do listen to a couple of actual play podcasts. I must, I, must, I must admit, one of my prejudices is that I don't associate Critical Role with, um, with actual play. In my imagination, it is a bunch of actors sort of... Uh, working their socks off for their fee to impress their viewers. I'm sure they have a lot of fun along the way, but, um, but I don't know because I haven't seen it. I mostly listen to podcasts in my car. Um, I do listen to a couple of, couple of actual play podcasts. A uh, shout out to Joe for the Wheel or Woe podcast, although I must say, Joe, I do skip through that one when I've got the kids in the car. It's not for them. <laughs> There's a couple of others. Um, but, um, but as I say, that fills a car journey. I don't really watch them at home. I think, I don't know, I just, if I've got an itch for some gaming, I don't think watching other people game is, is going to scratch that itch. It's just probably going to make me feel worse. <laughs> so I tend to avoid them. But Mark's concern is that this is giving a presentation of the of the hobby which doesn't really correspond to what he associates with an RPG. And I, I think from what I've picked up that I share some of that concern. So I, so I think what I see on various sort of Facebook groups and threads, there's a fifth ed Facebook group that I'm on, I see lots of discussions about issues that people are having with their gaming that I just don't recognise as issues in the kinds of games you know, the way that I've played, I've played all the different types of RPG over the last sort of 30 years or so. There seems to be a lot of the, a lot of the things being expressed. I would summarise it as saying these are issues with 
amateur acting rather than issues with role playing. So I see lots of things on those threads, people saying, oh, you know, I have trouble with my character. He's got this accent. I have trouble doing accents. I have trouble doing voices. Sometimes I feel self-conscious when I'm acting. And all these things, I just, I just kind of think that is a, that is a style of play which is, which is more attempting to emulate amateur acting than the kind of, you know, <laughs> sitting around the table, rolling dice, having fun, shared narrative that I associate with the game. Now, I should firstly say, of course, there are, there are dials. There are differences across game groups. Some game groups are going to enjoy, you know, being more in character, doing more of the the shared presentation of the story and other groups are really there to uh, to stick some minis on the table and throw down and roll dice. I think even within groups, in my experience, different players turn up the dials differently and that makes for a fun uh, a fun and mixed experience and some sometimes certain players and or, or certain players interested are foregrounded so one player's really enjoying interaction um, interaction with NPCs in character in voice and everybody else is is drawn along with that and at other times there are particular characters you know who want to get the minis out there they want to stand over the table and give sort of tactical direction and I've always endeavoured in my GMing to, to to just sort of be aware of different people's play styles and make sure that the game moves in those various directions i must admit as a gm that i have tended towards third person description i'm not a funny voice type gm i like to have quite evocative um evocative descriptions when i'm talking about my npcs i want to describe them in intriguing ways um but i'm not so worried about giving them a particular voice of course you can't resist it sometimes that kind of thing but that that's because i've always associated gaming with shared storytelling i've always thought of it as a collaborative storytelling experience rather than as a sort of amateur acting type activity but i appreciate role playing is there it's um it's in the it's in the name of the hobby so i appreciate there are these different play styles and i'm sure i could go to different groups and i would see the dials turned a bit differently but i'm pretty sure i'd also recognize the experience well, I suppose there's concerns. I mean, yeah, Mark's got concerns about where the hobby's going. Over the last couple of weeks, there have been a few interesting things, new stories about GMs uh, charging quite large amounts of money to run sessions, other new stories. Uh, these are, you know, they, they, they turn up relatively frequently now about how Dungeons & Dragons is now cool. Um, and I suppose there's a bit of me... You know, I've, I've tweeted about this before and got some mixed reactions. I said, yeah, I suppose for the last... You know, when I was at school, when I was gaming, it would have been quite nice. It would have been easier for me if it had been cool then. And, you know, it's able to be cool now because people kept it going throughout that time. So, But then I kind of think, well, why am I... Why am I bothered about that? You know, it's only good for the hobby that more people are, are doing it. It doesn't denigrate my enjoyment of the hobby if other people want to do it differently. I can still go on doing what what I want. I think this resurgence in popularity is good for me as well. 
Um, I don't see, I mean, I see lots more options, lots more things I can buy, but I don't see the hobby itself becoming significantly more expensive. If anything, it's becoming cheaper as more and more people are interested in fifth ed, and it's pretty much fifth ed and Pathfinder that we're, you know, that, that are having this resurgence. Then, you know, there's kind of more for everyone. There's more, there's more to be done around the OSR. There's just more products out there. There's more options, more tweaks, more things you can pay for if you want. But there's a whole bunch of stuff now that you don't have to pay a great deal for. The DMs Guild and the various similar projects on Drive Through RPG, pay what you want. There's loads of content out there, complete rule systems you can get hold of. You know the whole explosion of of products that you can buy on on PDF reasonably cheaply. I just think that's fantastic. It's done wonders for my. You know when I was a a younger player, I, I remember having to wait months on end before I could get hold of that source book I really, I really, really wanted. Um, and I think things are just more accessible now. Conspicuously. D&D 5th um, Ed doesn't let you trade those PDFs around. Um, but, um, but otherwise, I mean, I think the, the, the cheap options on drive-thru and the, and the pay-what-you-want type options and all the various kind of make-your-own and homebrew stuff, I think that's a really good development. And, and it probably is tied to this sort of growth in popularity of those core D&D systems. So I see those as largely a good thing and, you know, what am I after when I say, yeah, well, it wasn't cool when I was doing it all these years ago? I don't really know. Um, I don't know if I want credit for that. It's my hobby. It's the thing I've done for fun. I can keep, I can keep on doing it that way. I suppose there's a concern. Maybe the concern is people are watching these kinds of shows and putting quite a lot of pressure on themselves. That's what I'm seeing on these various threads. And I kind of want these people to kind of come and see my game session and you'll see, you know, the funny voices are meant to be rubbish because that's what makes them funny voices and we all laugh, but we're quite happy. Sometimes people want to talk in the first person. Sometimes they just describe what their character's saying in the third pr- person. There's no pressure. People are playing it how they want. I do think that is, that is unfortunate, people putting pressure on themselves to be good actors as if that is a if that is a qualification for the hobby which it is not um you know it's it's nothing i've ever particularly associated with good role playing it's just something that adds to the fun around the table having said all that i think there's there's probably good things uh good things to be said here very good things um in particular i think you know what's happening people are watching i do think there's probably a lot of people watching these streams probably even talking about playing D and not doing very much playing which is fine <laughs> a lot of people on anchor <laughs> wishing they were doing more playing but i but i think what what i mean there is i think there's a lot, a lot of interest in it from people who've seen it on you know stranger things um big bang theory the various streams and they're happy to talk about it but they're not, they're not really massively interested in playing it um but if it is enticing people, if these things are enticing people to buy the rule books, then I think this is this is good because it's got you to the rule book, um, and you're reading a rule book, and you're reading one rule book, you might read another rule book, um, and you read the rule book, and you're going to get a sense of 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 how the game's intended to be played, and if that squares with the experience that you're doing, then so much the better. Um, obviously, the game is sufficiently inclusive to to take in a lot of these different styles. And if it doesn't particularly square with what you want to do, well, you've got options then, haven't you? You can change the rules. You can ignore the rule book. One gain I see, to be honest, from this from this resurgence, from this massive buy-up of fifth-ed rule books, is that in a couple of years' time, I suspect we're going to see quite a lot of players' handbooks turning up in 
charity shops, second-hand shops in the US, you call them thrift stores maybe. I think, I think that'll be a really good thing. You know, people have watched Critical Role, had an idea of what it is, looked at a rule book and thought, God, I can't really can't really be doing with that <laughs> i think eventually they'll see it on the shelf and get rid of it and uh, and they'll they'll be there on the shelves in the in the charity shops alongside you know all the dan browns and the harlan cobans which people bought up um and and that i think will be a wonderful phenomenon you know there, there'll be a, a young kid going into one of these shops um and will see a reasonably priced book which they otherwise wouldn't have got hold of and they might have an experience similar to the one i had when i first picked up an rpg product didn't really know what it was um and there might be you know there might be a wave of accidental discoveries of of gaming which i think is the really kind of magical magical way of things there is a there is a difference in experience now i mean when i first picked up an rpg i've talked about this on other podcasts when i first picked up an rpg in the mid 80s i didn't know what it was you know, I picked up a robot. I've talked about this. I picked up the Riddling Reaver, a fighting fantasy project for the um, introductory role-playing game. It was a f- couple of pages of rules and then a complete campaign. I thought it was just another fighting fantasy game book. I didn't know what it was. And I had to, and reading the rules didn't, you know, it wasn't easy to visualise the kind of experience. And I had to, with the rule book and a couple of friends, we had to kind of discover what this experience was. We didn't know anybody else who was doing it. We didn't even really know what it was called. And we hadn't seen lots of examples of play. So I think there's a different experience now for new players. There's such a wealth of exemplifications of the game, right at that highly produced end, but also in all of the various on online streams of, of, of people that have been, 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 been gaming for some time. So it's, I, I think the, the hobby is much more accessible now, which is a, which is a good thing. I can, I, can, I can think if I wasn't, I don't know, if I hadn't been captured quite as magically as I was by that original rule book, I think I might have ended up putting it down long before I really discovered what the hobby was and what it could be, and I'm very glad I didn't. So, so I think that is different, um, and I think there are pros and cons. There's something to be said um, for the for the magic of of, of sort of <laughs> having it dawn on you what role playing is as you're trying to understand a rule book that you've just all picked up almost by by accident, and maybe that experience will be lost. Uh, but anyway, I think that's yeah, that's over ten minutes now. So those are my thoughts on the whole critical role explosion of of fifth ed phenomenon, um, and I'd be keen to hear. Uh, other people's thoughts Uh, as usual you can leave a message via the anchor app my email and twitter handle are in the show notes and thanks very much for listening Uh, i'll talk talk again soon